blessing us, Father, for being good to us. We thank you, Father, for all the wonderful things you've done for us. And so, Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God who dwells in us, who gives us wisdom and peace and understanding. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're trying to get into the book of Philippians. And, and I think, uh, in fact, I was going to say, well, we'll get into it next week, but we can't get into it next week because uh, Mr. Larry, Miss Angela will be with us next week. So but I think we'll finish up uh, talking about suffering today. Um, and, um, you know, it's an area that uh, has a lot of misunderstanding in the church. A lot of Christians suffer. Uh, but they suffer for no for no reason, right? Remember, we we read several scriptures there in uh, in First Peter uh, chapter well chapter three and chapter four, um, and uh, you know if you suffer for your conscience sake, for conscience sake, in other words, you're suffering because you're doing what you believe that the Word is telling you to do, then uh, and you and you suffer with patience. Uh, uh, the Lord tells us that's commendable, right? And so and that's fine, right? Because sometimes. You know, if you're just trying to do right and, and you suffer for that, you ever trying to do right and, and, and people get mad at you or they say unkind things to you, you know, and, and you get persecuted for doing what's right. I mean, nowadays, it seems like you can't hardly ever do anything that's right and somebody's going to persecute you for something. Uh, and so, uh, and, and the Lord said that's commendable, right? You remember uh, when, when uh, Peter and John were uh, threatened there in the book of Acts and, and they went back to their own company and they rejoiced uh, that they uh, were counted worthy to suffer for the Lord's, uh, for the benefit of the Lord, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, we can rejoice in those things. You know, and a lot of times uh, in that, uh, uh, all Christians, if they follow the Lord, right? If they follow faith, if they follow the word of God, you will be persecuted. There's no, there's no, there's no way around this. You're going to be persecuted. Uh, and... Uh, we have to get that settled in our heart that some people are going to get uh, reject us because we follow the Lord. And, you know, and especially if you follow in the area of faith, there's going to be a lot of Christians who will reject you. You know, there are a lot of Christians just mad as a wet hen. If you talk about, yeah, God loves me. He always wants me to, to prosper. He always wants me to be in health. He always wants me to to be above and not beneath, you know, the head and not the tail. Some people just get mad about that, you know, and, I mean, fighting, spitting mad, you know, just, you know, uh, I remember... Somebody was talking to me about uh, Brother Hagen, and of course, you know, Brother Hagen, he's taught many years over about prosperity and how it's God's will for us to prosper, and, but he's always had a pretty balanced message, you know, he, he did, you know, never said things like, well, unless you have a gold-plated car, you know, you're not spiritual, and, you know, foolishness like that, you know, and, and he didn't, you know, he didn't, wasn't a flashy person or ostentatious person, but it doesn't matter because uh, he did dress nice, but it wasn't these, you know, $18,000 suits, you know, with, with uh, you know, silk thread made from the Himalayan mountain, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. I mean, it wasn't, he just wore nice clothes. And, but people would still come up to him. One lady said that he had the devil of wearing nice clothes, right? Uh, I, I mean, so he just, so there's, it doesn't matter what you do. Somebody's going to get mad at you, right? And so this person was mad at Brother Hagen, uh, not even because of Brother Hagen. But because people that came out of uh, Rama Bible Training Center, which, you know, the school that he did, some of them uh, preached uh, prosperity out of balance. Now, I don't, I don't know any, they didn't give me any examples, right? And they didn't name any people. So it was one of these things, we just hate that message, so we're going to hate everybody that's associated with that message. And so my guess is they didn't really have anything in particular because 
usually which well give me an example right give me an example of somebody said something that was unbiblical right that was not right and of course oftentimes they can't give you that but but regardless they, uh, they said well these people were preaching bad prosperity and I know some of the people I know I do know and I could name them I'm going to that whose message about prosperity and their associates sort of with Brother Hagin not really but sort of with Brother Hagin's movement you know it's out of balance um, and so uh, but they didn't name that person, right? And, and so, uh, but, but they lumped him into that, uh, that he was a horrible person, right? I mean, and just like excoriating, you know, he's a worst minister ever, you know, all these things. I'm like, have you ever listened to Brother Hagin? I mean, ever, and look, I'm not a, I'm not a Brother Hagin apologist. I'm not just trying to build him up. I'm just using it as an example that because he taught that people were, um, against him because he taught that and they were weren't even against him directly but they you know were against the people that that, that he had taught in his school uh, and so I, I told him that your argument's weak it doesn't make any sense because that's like saying any christian who preaches bad doctrine that's that tells us that jesus was terrible because we all came out of jesus right out of, we're all born again of jesus and so if we teach something bad then that means jesus is wrong it's the same logic right if somebody that went to Brother Hagin's school, was teaching bad doctrine. That doesn't make Brother Hagin bad. It just makes, you know, them bad, you know. And so, uh, you know, people's logic, uh, usually doubt and unbelief cannot withstand any scrutiny, right? And so, but the point of, point of it is, uh, no matter, uh, if you're going to be a person of faith, uh, then uh, you will be persecuted, right? Uh, and, and it's been my observation that the more faith you choose to walk in, the more the church will persecute you. Because the world loves faith. You know, they love to, to see somebody that can, uh, you know, approach and get the blessings of God because if I can do it, they can do it. But many times, your faith makes other people feel uncomfortable. Uh, it makes other people feel condemned because, um, you know, uh, you get a group of 10 Christians together and within a few minutes, it's going to be a race to the bottom about who feels the worst, right? Who's got the hardest life and all of these things. And if you say, man, I feel great. They're going to look at you like, what's wrong with you, you know? And I've done that many times, you know? Uh, in fact, just the other, uh, it's been a few weeks ago, someone who's younger than me was complaining about, man, I'm, you know, I'm getting so old and all rickety and all, you know, complaining about this. And, and they looked at me and I said, I feel great. Uh, and and um, he could just see the daggers coming out of their eyes, you know? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, I don't know what their, what their, their overall belief is, but, um, uh, but it's going to happen. So, You've got to get it settled in your heart because if, if you don't get it settled in your heart that you'll be persecuted, then what will happen a lot of times in response to persecution, you'll shut down. In response to persecution, you'll, well, I'm not going to pursue that faith anymore because that makes other people unhappy. Uh, and you, you've, got to, you've got to see it from the right perspective because the more that you walk in faith, and you've got to see it this way, the more that you walk in faith, the more of the blessings of the Lord you, you understand how to obtain, Right. And so let's say you walk in perfect faith for healing, then how often would you be sick? You'd never be sick, right? Uh, and so is it worth giving that faith up in order to make somebody else feel comfortable? Uh, you know, is it worth giving up your faith in healing so that somebody else doesn't feel uncomfortable that you're never sick? What do you mean you're never sick? Uh, I'm never sick. Oh, you, well, you, nobody can live that way. Well, yeah, I live that way every day, right? Uh, and so, but they look at you like, you know, you're... Uh, you're condemning them or, you know, uh, and sometimes because you breathe air, people will be upset, right? Uh, and so, 
So what's the alternative? I mean, the alternative is to give it up and to be like everybody else. And, uh, and you know, you've got to be careful not to get in the, into the other extreme and be in pride either, right? That, oh, I'm never sick, you know, how come you're sick? You know, boy, if you're in faith like me, you know, you'd, you'd, you would never be sick. You know, what's wrong with you? Well, that would get you in trouble there pretty quick, right, from the Lord directly. Um, so you've got to find that balance of, you know, I'm going to live in faith and I'm going to do what's right. And if that makes everybody happy around me, man, that's great. If it makes nobody happy around me, man, that's a shame. But I'm going to live in faith because I would much rather be healed and somebody be, you know, kind of crossways with me. And I'm not crossways with them, but they may be crossways with me. I'd rather live in health and them not happy with me than be sick to gain their approval. I mean, what's, uh, you know, it's the same thing with, with any doctrine of faith. I'd much rather be in prosperity. Uh, and, and um, you know, I told you about, uh, uh, I think I told you that there was a, uh, meeting. Chris and I uh, bought a building not long ago, and and um, uh, and it's a commercial building, and and so uh, uh, in in our local city council meeting, they were that building came up as a subject uh, in the council meeting. Uh, so we made it the big times, right? We made it all the way to the local city council meeting, and so someone said, "Well, who owns who owns that building?" And they said, well, they said my name. I wasn't there. I was just told this, this, uh, this discussion. And, and so um, someone mentioned my name. They go, I don't know who that is. Well, you know, he pastors that church down there, down, at, down that street over there. And they go, oh, there you go. One of them rich preachers, you know, taking advantage of people. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> so, so what am I going to do? Was I trying to, to offend anybody? Have I used you all to, to benefit me financially? Have I stolen anything from you? Have I received unreasonable offerings from you? Have I even asked you to give me anything, right? I mean, I've not actually said, hey, you all need to give me more money. Um, and I got no problem with, with asking for a salary, those types of things, you know. But, uh, but um, um, I mean, you've all been here. Many of you have been here since day one. I've never done anything to advance my personal wealth through this ministry, Right. Uh, my personal wealth comes about because of the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with that you are not my source, right? This church is not my source. The Lord is my source. Uh, and I don't use this church or any ministry as a means to benefit me, you know, unreasonably financially, right? Because you've got to keep the balance there because it's, it's reasonable for a, a pastor to get paid, you know. And, and um, you know, when we get to the, the February, we, do, we always do our business meetings and we tell you where all the money goes and how much we get paid and, uh, and so, uh, but I, uh, but I can guarantee you my wealth has not come about because of the, what you guys pay me in this church, right? That's not a complaint. It's just, it's just, it's just the fact of it, right? And so not complaining at all. I don't complain. You all don't owe me a penny, right? I preach because I'm called to preach and the Lord's called me to be here. Uh, and so, but so what am I going to do? Because, you know, some dinosaur at the city council is mad at me because I own a building, um, you know, I'm, st I'm not going to become poor to appease somebody's concept of what a preacher should be. Uh, in fact, um, someone was, uh, uh, I was talking to somebody one day, I said, hey, you still go to such, such church? No, I don't go there anymore. Well, how come you don't go there anymore? Well, they pay the pastor too much. I always love that. They pay the pastor too much, right? Now, uh, so what's that number? I said, well, what's too much? You know, I mean, if the, if the church brings in $100,000 a year, and, you know, you pay the pastor $101,000 a year. That's probably too much, right? But if the church brings in a $10 million a year, and some, I mean, one minister I know brings over $100 million a year. 
what if you pay them $100,000 a year? Is that too much? I mean, what's the number, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and I said, you know, so, so you start asking, I said, what's the number? Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know, is a dollar too much? And, you know, they start getting mad at you. you know, I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but you said too much. Well, what, what you said is too much. So you, if you decide it's too much, then you've got to tell me what's, what is enough, right? And finally, it said, well, the pastor should never make any more money than the poorest person in the church. Well, you know, don't we want to bring homeless people in here if we can, right? And help them out and minister to them? That means I've got to be homeless, right? I mean, because then I've got to go sell my house and live on the street, you know, and wear uh, gloves without fingers, you know, and that sort of thing. Push a grocery cart. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm not a homeless person, so uh, I don't know all the things you've got to do, but uh, I mean, it's just foolishness, right? I mean, who, who came up with that number, right? What's the, what's the number? There's no number, right? The number is, in gen- generally, you have a board, right? We have a board here at the church. You have a board, and, and, and when it comes to things like salary and, and things, I don't, don't ask me. You know, you ask the people over there. You know, that's, that's not for me to, to decide, amen? I don't, you know, and that way I don't have to uh, be under pressure about, you know, well, I don't want to give a number that's too big because they're going to be mad. I don't give a number that's too small. I don't even, that's not my decision, right? Uh, and so that makes it easy on everybody. Uh, and so, but, you know, uh, if uh, uh, I think every minister ought to prosper, but I think every Christian ought to prosper. I don't think it should be limited to the ministers. I think every Christian should prosper. Uh, and so uh, I'm a Christian, so should not be able to prosper. Uh, and of course I should be, you know, according to the word of God. And, you know, the Bible says, given shall be given unto you. Me and my wife have been big givers all since the day uh, we got married. In fact, you know, I was an orphan at 15 years old. And, you know, I told you I was getting Social Security from my, from my parents because they were on Social Security. And so when they died, at the time, the law was, uh, in fact, uh, when they died, the law was that uh, if I was uh, under 18, I would continue to get Social Security all the way through college. Well, Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980. And he changed the law, not him personally, but he signed a law that said when, when you become 18, you get cut off, period, right? So I could have gone through all of college getting, um, getting Social Security. And, um, you know, when I started getting Social Security, I was getting like uh, $310 a month uh, from Social Security. Now, you know, that may not sound like a lot to you, but I was used to earning $0 a month, you know, growing up, you know, I got $0 a month. For all my, you know, in all until I was 15 years old, the only money I ever got for my birthday was five dollars from my grandmother one time, uh, and uh, and it was kind of a fluke, you know. And so, uh, so I got 310 dollars a month. Well, by the time I graduated high school, I was making 435 dollars a month. I mean, I had a pretty pretty big increase there, right? So, you know, 435 dollars a month is pretty good, you know. Uh, and and um, well, that got cut off, right? And so, um, but even when I was getting that social security i was tithing on that so because i got born again at that right between my 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 father died first my mother died second in between there i got saved uh and so somewhere along the way someone said you should tithe it's like okay then i'll t- i mean i never questioned it they said you should t- okay i'll just so i started tithing on my social security checks there's a, not too many 15 year olds tithing on, fi- on social security checks are there right uh and so i've been tithing since i was 15 years old the Bible says I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed nor his seed begging bread. Uh, I love that scripture there. And, and um, uh, I would, there was no I would ever, I would never stop tithing now. You know, so we've been uh, always been uh, big givers and and um, 
Uh, and the Bible says, if you give, it shall be given unto you. There's really nothing I can do about it. I'm doing what the Word says. The Word's going to work. Amen? Uh, and so, um, so you, you're going to suffer, right? Uh, and so you've got to decide, is it worth the cost to do the Word, to walk in faith? And yeah, maybe some people won't like that. Now, some people will, right? Some people, you know, tell me, tell me why you, tell me why you're happy all the time. Tell me why you're healthy all the time. Tell me why you're prosperous all the time. And, you know, that gives you an opportunity to witness to people, right? Because it's a testimony. Uh, And so you can, plenty of people you can help. But there's always a religious uh, core of the church that hates faith. You know, they, uh, now they'll probably go to heaven. And when they get to heaven, they're going to be really shocked because the Bible says that everything we see was created by faith. So every, all the creation was created by faith. And so everything in this creation operates by faith. Uh, and so you, you can learn faith now. Or, you know, uh, my guess is the people that don't like faith when they get to heaven, uh, the Lord probably will assign them to my class, you know, and I'll teach them remedial faith, right? Uh, we'll go back all the way to the beginning, right? And we'll talk about, you know, Sally, Dick, and Jane faith and, and all of that stuff, right? Uh, and so, so what's, uh, is, it, is it worth the cost to walk in faith? Uh, well, I believe it is, right? Uh, and so, uh, so let's turn over to, to the book of John, uh, chapter 15 here. So what, what you've got to make sure then that you do here in John 15, it says in verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If, you have, if they have persecuted me, they will, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So um, the, the, the thing that we've got to learn is in the persecution, how do we respond, right? What's our response? So see, uh, a lot of Christians, if they get persecuted, they will get hard-hearted towards their own faith. They will kind of get dejected because they're in faith. And a lot of times they'll walk away from that faith because it's to, in their heart, it's not worth the cost. It's not worth the effort to be persecuted for that. Uh, and... You know, the, the balance in that is, number one, you don't look for persecution. Uh, you don't try to intentionally, you know, insult somebody or intentionally make somebody look bad. Uh, you just live your faith however you want to. And, uh, but then you've got to make sure that you don't get bitter in your heart because a lot of people get bitter. They get mad and angry in their heart because of the persecution. And what did Jesus say? You're not greater than me. Now, if anybody was qualified to not deserve persecution, it was Jesus. Did he ever say anything of intention to hurt anybody? No, he never, no, not a single, but how many times he was persecuted? Nearly every day. I mean, you know, these people hated him. And he literally did nothing. I mean, it's just, to me, it's the, the level that they hated him compared to the level that he was good is, is infinitely, you know, it's this huge gap, right? It's an infinite gap. Now, for us human beings that, that uh, you know, are flawed, you know, we may try to do good, but we're probably not perfect. And the people probably don't hate us as much as they hated Jesus. So, you know, it's not as big of a gap there. But, uh, but he said it's going to happen, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so, you know, we have, to, um, uh, we have to get it settled in our hearts. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond in our own hearts? Amen. Now, no, no, it doesn't mean you've got to like it, right? Uh, but when Peter and John were persecuted, they went and thanked uh, Thank the Lord, right, that they were counted worthy to suffer for him, right? Uh, and so, uh, and then if you remember what we talked about in, in Peter, uh, that, uh, you know, if you suffer for conscience sake, that's fine. But he said, if you suffer for your own faults, well, that's, that's a waste of time, right? And that's a paraphrasing what, what Peter said. Uh, and this is where, 
an area where you've got to also find the will of God. So many times we suffer and we, uh, and there may be a lot of reasons for it, but we kind of throw it off on the Lord. Well, I'm suffering for the Lord. And people will do that a lot of times. Probably the most common area is in sickness and disease. Well, I'm suffering for the Lord. And so they throw it off on the Lord. Uh, and, and see, the, the problem with that is, well, the Lord didn't make them sick to begin with. So they're not suffering for the Lord in sickness and disease, right? Nobody, there's not a single human being on the earth that has ever suffered with sickness and disease for the benefit of the Lord. Now, they might have, in the midst of their sickness and disease, shown a good attitude, and that's commendable. But the Lord didn't put that on them in order for them to be a good witness. You know, all the witnesses is our testimony of what the Lord has done for us. Uh, and, and so the Lord has not done a, a uh, put sickness on us, you know, for his benefit. And so uh, the Lord's not doing that. The Lord's not in that, right? Uh, and so um, you, what I would always encourage people to do is if there's anything negative in your own life, right, whether it's sickness or disease, you know, I remember one fella in particular, uh, it was, you know, for a season, a short period of time, it seemed like he was always getting hurt. Smash his head, smash his hand, you know, hurt his foot, you know, on and on and on. All these different things, right? Uh, and, you know, if you stub your toe one time, I mean, you know, maybe you should go into intercession about it. I don't know. But, you know, mostly you just kind of move on, right? But, you know, Psalm 91 says that he'd give his angels charge over us, right, to keep us in all of our ways, lest we dash our foot against a stone. Didn't he say that in Psalm 91? So if he said that in Psalm 91, then we, we have the potential to live our lives without ever dashing our foot against a stone, right? Which is, you know, in, in our terms, it's, it's stubbing your toe, right? So now it's not limited to just that, right? What if you stub, what if you, you know, stub your thumbs not counted in that scripture? It's not a legalistic contract, right? It's, it's here's what he's going to do to protect you all the time, right? So people would say, well, you know, well, which toe is it? Lest you dash your foot. Is it the right foot or the left foot? Is he going to, you know, keep your foot from being, because there's only one, he didn't say feet, right? He only said your foot, so it's only one foot that he's going to protect, right? Well, that's what kind of silly religious uh, legalistic people say. But no, it's, it's really to protect you in everything that you do. And so, uh, so, it, uh, and so I asked him, I said, well, have you talked to the Lord about that? Because, see, to me, if you, if you get hurt over, uh, you know, in a continuous basis over a short period of time, I'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, we've got a contract. You and I got a contract. We've got a contract that said you would keep, my, keep me from dashing my foot against a stone. That's part of the contract, right? It's part of Psalm 91 contract. And so, Lord, uh, I want to know, why is it that I keep doing this? Why is it that I keep getting hurt? Now, you've got to make sure you never accuse the Lord. Like, Lord, why aren't you protecting me? That's accusing him. That's mean that he's making a decision not to protect you. See, he's not making those decisions. He's, he said he would protect you. So on his side to the best of his ability, as long as you allow him, he will protect you. So if you're not getting protected, that's not on him. So I always go to him immediately and start, well, Lord, what's the deal? Is it, did, did I get outside your will? Did I say something or do something that put me outside of your will into an area that you couldn't protect me? You know, did I miss it somewhere? Uh, and, and so now, you know, sometimes things happen and there's not even a reason for them. Well, I don't know why those things happen, but, uh, but we can have faith that it never happens, right? But, you know, maybe we're just neutral in faith. Maybe we're not believing God that, you know, he will protect me. So you're not necessarily in sin, but you're not in faith either. So you're kind of that middle ground where you're just, you're just subject to the whims of nature, right? Uh, if we have active faith that I believe that, you know, I will never dash my foot against a stone. Well, then 
I, my goal in life is to live my life without ever being harmed. Um, I mean, I have been harmed on a few occasions in, in my life, even as a Christian, but my goal is that I never live that way. Uh, and so I asked that person, say, have you asked the Lord about that? Because if things happen, I always go to, the first thing I do is, Lord, did I miss it anywhere? Uh, be, uh, you know, I, don't, I don't put it on anybody else. I put it up between me and the Lord. Did I miss it anywhere that would cause me to be in this situation, right? Maybe, I'm, you know, uh, maybe I lost my business or maybe, you know, my car exploded or maybe, you know, uh, the dog ran off with the cat. You know, now they're living in dog and cat sin or something. I don't know, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, uh, I'd go to the Lord and find out, you know, did I miss it somewhere? Uh, and so because I don't want to suffer unnecessarily. Uh, and, you know, if I suffer once and it's just a minor thing, I, I may not even say anything about it. But if it's, a, you know, like I said, two, three things in a row, then uh, I go to the Lord about it, you know. And I can't tell you how many times even since then, uh, just on a regular basis, something will happen and I will almost get hurt, right? You know, but because everything just worked out perfectly, I avoided getting hurt. And, and every time I always, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you because had things gone just a slightly different way, I could have been hurt significantly, right? Maybe you're not paying attention to the road and, and somebody pulls out in front of you and you didn't see them, and, uh, but you still avoided them somehow. I mean, it, you know, that happens, stuff like that happens all the time, right? Uh, and so, uh, so as a Christian, what you want to make sure is that you're not ever suffering uh, unnecessarily. So the only suffering that you would ever be able to do that you could say, well, you know, the Lord never promised that I could be protected from that is persecution. But everything else, we have a right to be protected from. Harm, right? Unless uh, we dash our foot against a stone. Poverty, lack, sickness and disease. You know, anything that's bad that's out there that's part of this natural world. You know, and even persecution, not because you're a Christian, but just because, you know, uh, I'm a middle-aged white male. Well, you know, uh, if you go to certain businesses, they don't like middle-aged white males, right? Uh, and so they persecute, well, they're not persecuting me because of the law, they're persecuting me because of my skin color, right? And of course, you know, I mean, uh, the persecution I've ever had for that pales in comparison to what, what many people have had to suffer. Uh, they're not suffering for the Lord for that, they're suffering because people are bigoted and, and, and they're unkind people, right? Uh, and, so, and so there's no need for that. Uh, and so we should, we should stop those things, but so in your own life, you know, the, the encouragement that, you know, that I want for, for you all is to make sure that, um, uh, that there, if, if there's any suffering going on, find out, uh, and it should be obvious, right? Is this as a, re- a result of me living by faith and somebody persecuting me for my faith, period? That's the only suffering that you'll ever do. Other than that, then I go to the Lord. If it's anything, I go to the Lord. What's up? I need to get out of this, right? This is not something that I, need to, I need to put up with. And so, uh, and then I find out, you know, if it's something that I, that I caused, then the first thing I always do is I repent to the Lord. Well, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. You know, this, I brought this on myself. I can't change it. It's, you know, my responsibility now. But, um, but moving forward, I can get mercy, right? Uh, and don't say anything dumb like I made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it. You know, that's dumb. That's, that's no faith in that. A, a person of great faith will, will recognize their sin and, and, and ask for forgiveness of their sin and move on and then get the mercy of the Lord to, to help them in that situation. Uh, and that, you know, that should be fairly rare. You know, if you live that way every day, sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, you know, that's going to be between you and the Lord, how things work out after that. But, um, so just make sure that we don't suffer unnecessarily, right? And don't put all your suffering off on the Lord. 
uh, because it's really distasteful to accuse the Lord of causing your suffering, you know, your, your poverty or your sickness and disease or, you know, you ever just notice that some people, it seems like no matter what they do, it always uh, uh, completely falls apart, right? Always something, drama all the time, right? I mean, they, their car explodes, and soon they get a brand new car, then it gets a flat tire. As soon as they get that tire fixed, you know, they run out of gas on the side of the highway. And as soon as they run out of gas, you know, on the highway, then all the gas stations are closed. And, you know, all the ga- I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just that way all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, and, you know, some, man, I'd be, in, I'd be in intercession. If I lived that way, I mean, I'd be on my face, the Lord, Lord, this is not, I am not living this way. You know, uh, in fact, you know, Romans 8, 28 says that he works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, that's not a negative backwards looking faith statement. That's a forward looking. He's a God of today and tomorrow. Uh, that means when I arrive, things will have already worked out for my good before I get there. That's my that's the, that's the expectation I have of, of that verse of faith that that uh, he's already working it out. So when I arrive, everything's taken care of. That's the way we're supposed to live. People always look at it like he's going to fix and turn something that was bad into something good. Well, he, he maybe can, maybe he can't, right? I mean, you know, if something bad happened and somebody died, well, I mean, he can't undie them. I mean, he, they can, I know he can raise the dead, but I mean, some things are just, you know, the, the ships left, left the port and we can't do anything about it. Uh, and so, you know, there's some, if, it's, if it's brought about by our will, I know that he's a way maker. I understand all that. I'm just saying that sometimes you've burned a bridge or, you know, you, you cause somebody else harm and, and they never want to talk to you again the rest of your life. And uh, well, you can't fix those things. Some things you can't fix, you know, because of that. Uh, but a lot of people, they use Romans eight twenty eight to try to get the Lord to fix all of their problems. And, uh, and unfortunately, many of their problems are self-inflicted. And, and you know, uh, except for mercy, sometimes the Lord can't do anything about that. So, uh, so you've got to decide in your own life where your suffering is at and what's, what's the cause of it. And the only way you're going to do that successfully is to be a humble, humble servant of the Lord. You've got to be willing to admit your own mistakes. You've got, to be admitting, uh, you've got to be willing to admit if the Lord shows you that that was your fault, you, you brought it upon yourself, it wasn't the will of God, it was because of your sin or your selfishness or your pride or whatever the cause is, uh, if, if, that's the root, if, if that's the root cause, and, and like I said, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but, so, but sometimes that's the cause of our suffering is our own self. And if the Lord reveals to you that the, your suffering is due to a self-inflicted wound, then that's when you should repent. And that's when you should, well, Lord, Lord I'm wrong. Uh, then I ask you to forgive me. Because if you don't deal with that, it's just going to fester there, right? And, and you're going to try to avoid it. And, and I see people avoid things like that all the time. And they'll rewrite history. Well, I didn't do that, you know. And, or they'll kind of wrap it up. Well, God made me do that, you know. I'm suffering for the Lord. And, and none of it's true, right? Just own it, fess up to it, uh, and move on, right? You don't have to waller in the, in the, in the sin of that. Just move on, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, there, and there's a couple more things that uh, uh, I just want to discuss a little bit about, um, about the ministry. You know, of course, you know, I'm called to the ministry, and, and really, you know, we are all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, uh, and it goes back to a little bit of what, um, what we talked about earlier about walking in faith. Uh, but, you know, what I have found, you, you know, the more that I read the Word of God, the more that I study the Word of God, the more that I realize the level of faith that we all have the potential to walk in, where we live a life that is complete and total victory, right? 
what, what does uh, 1 John chapter 5 say? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. Our faith, right? This is the victory that overcomes who? The whole world. So I have, by faith, the potential to overcome the entire world. Not just my little world, but the entire world, right? That's what the Word says. And really, if you read the whole Word of God, uh, the whole counsel of God, you find that the Christian has the potential to live that way. That's the way Jesus lived, right? Was there anything that could stop him? If he's going somewhere, you know, we're going to the other side. Did the storm stop him? Did the wave stop him? Did anybody stop him from going? He went to the other side, even when the disciples were in fear, right? Carries out not that we, we perish. Now, even Paul was sometimes thwarted by the devil, right? So sometimes he said, we, we tried to go, but Satan hindered us. But you know, Satan never hindered Jesus. Uh, and, and, you know, so when I, when I read the word of God and, and I look at the whole counsel of God, it seems to me that there's a level that the church has not arrived at that I believe we could live that way, right? That we could live at that level where we're always victorious because, you know, the way that I see it is we're here to advance to God's kingdom, right? To bring the world into the church, get them saved, get them on the way to heaven. Uh, well, in order to do that, I've got to be victorious in order to go out there and do that. If I'm sick in bed, I can't go out there. If I'm too poor to, to go across the street, I can't do that. If, if I got no good news for the gospel, you know, go out there and, well, you know, uh, get saved like me and, and uh, hope for the best. More than likely, you're not going to make it, though. But, you know, uh, if you don't get saved, you come over here and be like me, you know. And well, How's that good news? I mean, nobody's going to want that, right? Be sick like me. Be poor like me. Nobody's going to want that. So uh, if I can live at the level that the Lord wants me to live at, and I'm not saying dying with the most toys, having the biggest house, fanciest car. It's, not a, it's about uh, having no hindrances uh, in my personal life so that whatever the Lord's called me to do, I can do it without, uh, without any hesitation. Uh, and so uh, what I have found, though, is that the more that I decide to live that way, uh, the more often you find people who get offended at that. Uh, and, you know, so even in the ministry, I, I, uh, uh, many years ago, uh, I was invited to speak at this conference. And so I, I went to the conference, spoke at it. People that I've known for years, you know. And in the middle of it, you know, I, I said something to the effect that, you know, I don't know why, we, and I don't know why I got on it. It wasn't my subject or anything, but, you know, sometimes you go with the flow. And I said, you know, I don't know why we, we persecute uh, homosexuals and, and tell them they're all going to die and go to hell for their sin. I said, how is their sin of homosexuality different than this person's sin over here of worry? Because worry is a sin, right? Whatever is not a faith is sin, and worry is the exact opposite of faith as you can get. So if you're in worry, you're in sin. Are you going to die and go to hell because you're worrying? I mean, nobody, uh, most people think, oh, you're such a great saint to worry, you know. But that's a sin, right? Telling a little white lie, is that a sin? Well, that's a sin, right? Um, you know, I mean, how many sins are there? Well, there's no, no telling the number of sins. So why does the church send this person to hell for homosexuality, but they won't send that person to hell for worry? Does the Bible tell us that we should tithe? Well, the Bible tells us that we should tithe, right? Well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, then that's a sin, right? Uh, now, I'm not mad at nobody. I don't check anybody's records, but... Uh, well, you don't want to do the word, but that's a sin, right? The Lord says to do it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, really, and one, one, you can look at it this way. Didn't the Lord tell the whole church to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and speak with other tongues? I mean, that wasn't an option. He said he wanted everybody to do it. And when you say, I'm not going to do it, what is that? Well, that's a sin, right? Again, because sin is missing the mark, right? It's missing the mark that the Lord set. So uh, I said, why, why, do we, why do we pick that sin? And, you know, the, I can tell you why we pick that sin, because most of us aren't doing it. 
so that way we can, it, makes it, it makes it easy to pick on that sin, right? What about worry? Well, we don't talk about worry. Right? What about fretting? Well, you know, we, don't, we don't talk about fretting, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, what about getting mad at your wife or your husband? Well, we don't talk about that, you know. I mean, we're all doing that one right there. But, you know, but homosexuality, that's for them over there, right? And so we're, uh, uh, and I said, you know, why don't we just do what Jesus did and call sin, sin, and not condemn anybody? Because it's okay to call homosexuality a sin, because it's a sin. But we don't condemn them to hell. You know, you mean you're a homosexual go to heaven? I'm not the judge of the earth. You know, you'll have to ask the Lord that. And according to his word, I don't see why that sin would keep you out of heaven any more than this sin over here, right? I mean, we're picking and choosing. Now, to me, that makes perfect sense. It fits the whole counsel of God. It fits the word of God. It fits everything that we know about the word and, and how the word works and, and the spirit of God works. And yet I was never invited to go back to that conference, you know. Now, I only said that in like two minutes. I mean, that was a whole, you know, not even two minutes, probably a minute. I've spent longer t- talking about it tonight than I did in that particular uh, uh, service. And I had, uh, I had some ministers say, well, you know, we can't, we can't say that. We can't say that homosexuality won't send you to hell. You know, they would, they would, they would, they would uh, burn us at the stake. I'm thinking about, so? It's still so. Because, see, when the church gets their doctrine warped, and we start being the judge of mankind and say, well, your sin, you go to hell for your sin, but you don't go to hell for your sin because... Yours is kind of like mine, so I can't send you to hell because then I got to send me to hell. So, but I'm going to send you to hell because, you know, your sin's really ugly and gross and smells bad. And but yours, you know, we're going to let you get a buy on yours. And I mean, who who's who's got that position? And in the, in the, we don't have that position. If you accept Jesus, uh, right? I mean, if you if you confess Him as your Lord and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, aren't you going to heaven? Uh, and so now look. Is there any ramifications of sin? Huge ramifications for all sin, right? All sin brings death, physical death, and it could lead to spiritual death, right? You know, you could ultimately, because you get in sin, you could eventually leave the Lord, and that's a whole other discussion, but the sin itself is not what gets you there. It's what you do with that sin, right? Uh, and so these, are not, these topics should not be hard for the church to understand, uh, and yet they're very incendiary. Some people, just, oh, they'll just explode if you say something like that. Uh, but I've got book, chapter, and verse for it. What do you, what do you got to tell me? And I went round and round with this minister. What t- well, I, and I said the same thing. I told you, well, how's that sin different than this one? What about stealing? You know, I mean, people steal all the time, right? Uh, are they going to go to hell because they, still, they stole? Didn't Paul say, uh, let him who steal do what? Steal no more. He didn't say, let him who steal die and burn in hell, right? He said, hey, you need to stop doing it. Didn't James talk about lying, right? Uh, uh, I mean, is lying going to send you to hell? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, what about, he said, uh, sweet waters and bitter waters come out of the same, uh, out of the same fountain. James did talk about your tongue and, and bad words. You said a bad word, are you going to hell? I mean, I know a lot of Christians say bad words, you know. You know, and they'll justify it. Oh, you know, you, you can't just not say a bad words, you know. Well, sure you can, just don't say it. I mean, that's really pretty simple, isn't it? Uh, well, is that going to send you to hell? So, uh, so what I have found is the more that you want to press into uh, what the word honestly says, the more unhappy a lot of people will be. And, and in the ministry, you'll be persecuted because of that. Uh, and, uh, and people will not be happy about it. Uh, and um, I told you one time when I was with my pastor, you know, I had been with him for 20 years. So, you know, I knew everybody in the church. Everybody knew me. I'd grown up with these people, been around with them for decades, knew what we were like. And, you know, they were great people, but, you know, they had some flaws. And one of the bad flaws was 
when somebody left the church, man, we would talk about them, gossip about them, run them down, say they never were helped to the church. You know, they were only here for their own benefit. And, you know, you see them out there and they look tired. Oh, well, that's what sin will do for you. You know, they're all in sin because they left the church. And I mean, it's just terrible gossip, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I got out of it after a while. And, and, uh, and so I was preaching about that one night and preaching about love and mercy, how, you know, as Christians, we should walk in love and have mercy towards, towards each other. Pretty good message, I think, you know. And I said, just like when people leave, you know, we should have mercy on them because if they left with, uh, outside the will of God, and, you know, some people actually leave by the will of God. Lord says, time to go somewhere else. Okay, fine. Some people leave because they get mad and kick the dog on the way out. Okay, fine, right? But however they leave, we should still show mercy towards them, right? They're not my enemy just because they leave this chair and go to another chair in town. They've not become my enemy. They're still on the way to heaven. They still love the Lord, right? They may just not love the Lord next to you, right? And so for whatever reason, right? Uh, and so uh, unless they tell me why they left, I just leave it alone. You know, well, you know, uh, or the Lord shows me something about it. Now, as a pastor, sometimes he'll show you some things, but sometimes he doesn't. There's people left that I never know why they left. And they never told me that, you know, and, uh, and the Lord never told me, so I'll just leave it alone. Uh, and so I said, you know, it seemed like we should have mercy instead of talking about people gossiping with people when they leave. I said, because we're the worst, you know, about doing that. And right in the middle of the message, somebody stood up sitting right there, stood up in the church and said, we don't do that. <laughs> now, you know, y'all not, uh, y'all not interrupt somebody talking about love and mercy, uh, you know, because how do you argue about that, right? It's like saying, uh, you know, babies and puppies are terrible. I mean, who, you know, why would you interrupt, the, you know, talking about baby, oh, you shouldn't talk about babies and puppies, you know, those are terrible things. Nobody would say that. Uh, but they did. They interrupted the service and just, you know, threw a wet blanket on the whole service and really usurped authority, took a position that didn't belong to them. It was really, they were in, in gross sin for that. Uh, you know, Old Testament, they'd get stoned for doing something like that. Now, I wasn't, had no desire to stone them. Uh, but uh, what I have found is the more that I press into faith and just like in healing school, what do we say in healing school all the time? That the Lord's desire is to heal you how often? Every single time. How many exceptions? No exceptions, right? Is that what the Word of God teaches? 100% that's what the Word of God teaches. Nobody can find any scenario where the Lord in heaven is going, I want them to be sick. I desire for them to have cancer. My goal is for them to die of blood disease. I hope more than anything else that their right foot falls off and the pancreas dies tomorrow due to diabetes, whatever it is, right? Lord in heaven is never doing that. Never, not a single, every single person that's ever been sick. I'm the healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. Uh, if they will believe me, I will heal them. If they'll find somebody that believes me, I will heal them. Uh, that's his desire in heaven. Never has changed. And it has not changed since, since the day Adam was on the earth, breathing air. Uh, and yet, uh, how many people just get spitting mad about that? Fighting mad about that? Even in, in the Pentecostal circles, right? So, you know, there, there will be, uh, as a minister, uh, you know, because we're preaching the word of God, uh, that's why Paul said, remember, and we read about it at the end of uh, Ephesians, uh, when he coveted the prayers of the church at Ephesus to pray that he would speak boldly. Because, you know, Paul had to, had to go around and say, look, all this circumcision stuff, waste of time anymore. All this blood sacrifice stuff, all a waste of time anymore. No need for any of that, right? We now have the blood of Jesus. Uh, and, but that's obvious. It's obvious to us now. But he, how much persecution did he suffer around the, the known world, especially where there are any Jews, because he would say things like that. He would go to other places. There's only one God. 
Uh, and they would say, these are the men who have turned the world upside down by their doctrine, by saying there's only one God, because they believed in dozens of gods, hundreds of gods. Uh, and so what you'll find in a ministry is if, if you're going to be a person of great faith, you will suffer great persecution because some people will just not want to be around you anymore. And, and people have separated themselves from me just because I believe in a good God. Uh, I believe that there's sin. I believe that there's forgiveness. I believe, you know, that there's ramifications of sin, but I believe that there's mercy available. I believe that the Lord's desire for us is only for good, only ever for good. Because what did we read in Psalm 145? That the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and, and, of, and of great mercy, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, the, and the Lord is good to all, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, if the Lord is good to all, then he's good, right? He is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. They repeated that phrase many times in the Old Covenant. So if you're going to preach the good word of God, some people will not like it. You know, the advantage of being a pastor is I can preach the good word of God and nobody ever invites me to go preach anywhere. I always have a captive audience, right? Because you all know me well enough now. Uh, you know that if I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to back it up with a bunch of Bible, right? I'm not just going to say things. I'm going to tell you here's why this is so. And I'm going to make the case. Here's why this is so. Uh, and, and so... Uh, so that makes it easy, right? Uh, and of course, once you understand that, you know, once you understand how good God is, everything, you know, more faith becomes easier to accept. Because if, 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 if you know how good God is, then if I come along and say something you've never heard before, like, you know, God wants to, uh, to prosper you uh, in, your, in your intellectual ability, right? Because he says the mind of the just is blessed, right? Uh, and so, uh, or, or, he, he gives his beloved sweet sleep. And maybe you didn't know that you could have sweet sleep. But because you know God is good, see, that's easy for you to accept when I tell you that. Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard that, right? And I'm sure it's not the first time you all have heard it, but, but maybe that was the first time you heard it, that God would even bless how you sleep. Uh, and, but see, because you've had this foundation of, well, the Lord is good, well, then that's easy to accept, right? So, and that's really my goal, is for us to believe that God is good. Uh, and so... Uh, but I remember, you know, with, with my pastor, uh, uh, he, he uh, would get up and say things like, uh, I am not your problem and you are not mine. Uh, and and, uh, and it, he would say things like that. And it would brought so much, so much joy to my life because because I thought, wow, that's really good because that's true. Right. Because a person of faith gets to decide. They get to decide if you're my problem. Right. See, and faith would say, well, you're not my problem because. I have no problems. If I have faith, I have no problems that I can't overcome. So you can't possibly be my problem because if you are a problem, you can't be my problem because I, my faith overcomes the whole world. And last time I checked, you're part of this world. So you can't possibly be my problem. Well, that's a good statement, right? That's a great statement of faith. Amen. Uh, and so uh, and, and so he would say things like that, you know, and and, um, um, uh, and it would help us, right? Uh, and sometimes it would make some people mad, right? So, uh, so even in the ministry, you know, there, there is suffering uh, that, that I will go through and I have experienced because of things that I believe with all my heart that I know is in the Word of God. Not just my philosophy, it's what I know that the Word of God says. And some people just don't like it, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, just like, you know, around here, I believe that the highest call of the pastor is to perfect the saints. That's what Ephesians 4.11 says, right? That's the first 
responsibility of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to perfect the saints. So that means my responsibility in this pulpit is to help you grow up. That's my number one responsibility. So my number one responsibility is not to have the best ladies fellowship group in all of Dayton or the best men's fellowship group in all of, you know, uh, Ray County or the best uh, children's church uh, in, uh, I mean, children's church, you know, we kind of give it a bye because our goal is to perfect the children in children's church, right? So we're not trying to just babysit them. We teach them the word, right? We can't teach them like we teach you because you're an adult, but we teach them, you know, we slide it in, right? We give them a coloring book of David and Goliath so they can see David and Goliath, right? So it's a constant uh, uh, building on their faith. Uh, and so, uh, but I've had people get upset at me because my number one priority is not their number one priority of a church. But I've got to go with what the Lord's called me to do. Uh, and this church has to be, uh, has to go with the vision that the Lord's given to me and my wife. And if that, and I had some people come in one time and said, hey, you need to teach more in end time events. I'm not an end time event person. You know, I, I mean, I got nothing wrong with teaching about end time events. And occasionally we sprinkle a few things here and there. And, but we live in right now. I mean, if you believe in post-tribulation or pan-tribulation or pre-tribulation, it doesn't really matter. It's all going to work out. I mean, whatever it is, is going to work out. So then that's in the future. I want to live today. I want to figure out how to live successfully today. So that's where the Lord's had me is always, how do I build my faith up in today? And so you won't, you know, on occasion, if the Lord says, teach, you know, a series on the end time events, I'll be glad to do it. But, you know, in some churches, that's kind of what you hear all the time, right? Uh, and so, and I've got another, no, none of my business. If that's if, but it's what they're called to do, that's fine. No problem at all. Uh, but that's not what the Lord's called me to do. Uh, and so I had uh, one person come and say, well, I need a church where I can, you know, uh, uh, sling paint and, and throw a hammer every now and then, right? I need uh, where I can work and build things. And Well, I mean, you know, most of the time we don't have much to build. I mean, we're just, you know, the building's already built and, you know, we want to preach the word because uh, my job is to perfect the saints, which means your job is to be perfected. So that should be your primary motivation to go into church is to be perfected, not whatever else that you want, right? And now there's nothing wrong with those things. You know, I, uh, I mean, if you all wanted to have a softball team, praise God, I'll buy you T-shirts, you know, have a softball team. I don't care, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not like, well, I don't want to do anything, but I'm not about what... what what this pulpit is called to do, right? This pulpit is called to perfect the saints, right? Everything else is gravy and everything else is fine. And I got no problem with having, with having, you know, uh, children's programs. And, you know, if we end up with some land and we, we want to put a playground on it, yeah, I got no problem with any, any stuff like that, as long as it doesn't affect the, the call of God on this ministry. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and then in that, uh, you know, the call of God upon your life, you know, whatever, whatever God's called you to do, um, you have to find that path, you know, whatever that path is. Um, and, and you've got to decide that the, the call of God upon your life is more valuable than anything else. Uh, because God has created you from before the foundation of the world for that purpose, right? For whatever that call is, right? For Jeremiah, remember, he was called to be a preacher. And he said, you know, that, that if he quit preaching, that it would be like fire shut up in his bones, because that's who he was. He had to do it. He was compelled to do it. That's what he was called to do. Uh, and sometimes in a ministry, you know, we, we don't want to do what we're called to do. We want to do what's easy and convenient for us. Uh, and uh, that, that's a real that's a real sad place to be. Uh, you know, I remember uh, years ago we had this evangelist. He'd come through the church about once a year when I was with my pastor. 
And, you know, he's a pretty good evangelist. I mean, you know, there was other evangelists that maybe I thought was a little bit better, but he was, he was okay and did his part, you know, added things to my life. And so I, I, I enjoyed his ministry. But then he got up one day and said, well, you know, my wife doesn't like me traveling, so next year I'm going to be a pastor. And when he said that, you know, I just, it was just really grieved in my heart because, see, uh, his call caused him to be away from home. And, and so he, he had to decide that that was okay. And he decided it wasn't okay. Uh, he decided it was better to do what his wife wanted to do than what the creator of the entire universe wanted him to do. Because he didn't say the Lord changed my calling because sometimes the Lord changes your calling. Sometimes you, you go from this place to another place to another place. You know, I got no problem with that. But he didn't say the Lord called him to, to be a pastor. He said, my wife called me to be a pastor. And so, um, uh, you know, you've got to decide, is it worth the, is it worth the cost, right? Uh, and, you know, before Chris and I got married, we talked about it. Hey, someday I'm going to be in ministry. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what color it'll be. But someday I'll be in the ministry and, you know, you need to be prepared. You need to be okay with that, right? Some people are like, I, you know, I ain't supporting him in the ministry. I know a lot of wives whose husbands are called in the ministry. Uh, some I know personally, some I know just from stories. They will not support their husband in the ministry. Now, I don't know what the dynamics of it is. Maybe they did lie. Some never going to be called to the ministry. Or maybe they just, you know, not really called. Or maybe they are called. And wife's just a deadhead. I mean, I don't know. You know, not, none of my business for the most part. But there are many times when, when uh, and sometimes the other way around, where the wife is called to the ministry, husband won't support him, right? Uh, you know, it, it's uh, um, th- there are a lot of uh, a lot of women called to the ministry that uh, the men are just there in support, uh, and I got no problem with that, right? And if they're good spouse, they'll support them, um, uh, uh, like Joyce Myers, right? She she's a, uh, a well-known uh, female minister, and her husband he's not in ministry. You know, there's sometimes husband and wife are in the ministry, but sometimes just one or the other, uh, and so you know, I remember uh, the story with with Brother Hagen that uh, he was traveling. He'd been traveling for a while, many years, I think. Uh, and uh, he got tired of traveling. His kids were getting older, and they're like, Dad, how come you're never around? Well, the Lord called him to travel. You know, his wife was a stay-at-home mom, so she raised the kids and did everything at home. He traveled. Sometimes, you know, this is back when, when you go to a church, you might be at the same church for, for weeks, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks, right? So that's like over a month, two months sometimes at one church, right? Um, and so... You may be on the road for months at a time before you ever get back home. Uh, and so he got kind of tired of dealing with it. He went home, canceled all of his meetings, said, hey, I'm gonna, not going to travel anymore. I'm going to go back to pastoring a church. So he went to a church that uh, he was considering pastoring at. And it was during uh, Sunday school. And so he wasn't teaching. He was just listening. And he fell over, you know, on the ground there, right there at the pastor's feet. And his, his heart started acting weird and, and they carried him to the parsonage and uh, he was having, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever that's called when your heart doesn't beat right, you know, uh, uh, atrial fibrillation or something like that. And so, uh, and they knew that the, he was going to die. If this didn't change, he was going to die. Uh, and uh, they went to go get his wife, Aretha. And, and uh, when they found her in her class, uh, she was already packing up. The Lord told her, hey, you need to go find Kenneth. Something bad's going on, right? Something's going on. And so, um, so the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, you're out of my will. Now, did the Lord kill him? Did the Lord try to kill him? No, he got outside the will of God. Um, uh, and so, uh, and then Aretha had to repent uh, because she complained about him being gone all the time. But that was the deal. 
He told her that when they got married, that I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be in the ministry, you know, all my life. And whatever God's called me to do, that's what we've got to do. Uh, and yet, you know, the cares of this world oftentimes will weigh heavy on you. And, and you know, it, it's not been nearly the same for, for me and Chris, but, you know, we were in, in Cookville for many years, right? And started a church over there, and we had both churches going at one time. And, and then the Lord said, you know, shut that one down, move to, to this area. And we grew up there. We got married in that city. All of our children were born there, right? We had great jobs in that city. And uh, we had no, we, up to the, until he told us, we had no desire to leave. You know, sometimes like, I can't wait to get out of this place. I just, you know, I want to go somewhere anywhere else other than here. We were perfectly fine there. We, we could have been fine there today. Uh, but the Lord said, you got to go. And so we just made plans to go. You know, once the Lord says, uh, and we've, we've learned over the years, once he says, Yes, then fine, no problem, Lord. Be glad to do it, right? Because the alternative is, you know, you may end up falling on the ground, your heart quivering, you know, you don't want that to happen. Now, the Lord didn't do that, right? But you get outside the will of God, uh, and, you know, there's consequences to that, you know? And so there, there is suffering just because of the call of God in your life, whatever you're called to do. Uh, and, um, you know, if you're called to be a singer, you're called to, to play an instrument, or you're called to do this or do that, you know, there, there is a cost to that, right? And, uh, and it's, so the suffering is not so much as a result of that. The suffering is that you have to choose to put your flesh under and to suffer uh, of whatever you're maybe missing out on to fulfill the call of God in your life, right? Um, and so, you know, there, there, there is no doubt that uh, I could have had a lot of jobs, you know. I mean, I left six-figure jobs to, to be in the ministry, Walked away from, you know, multiple jobs to be in the ministry. Just good jobs, you know, and, uh, and, and never complained about it, never concerned about it. In fact, I know in 2009, you know, we'd already been pastoring for about a year and a half or so. And I was working a corporate job. And then uh, um, the Lord said, time for you to leave that corporate job. And I was getting paid really well uh, back then. Great bonuses and, you know, benefits and everything. The Lord said, it's time to go. I went to work the next day, wrote my uh, resignation letter. Uh, and then I talked to my wife about it, you know, um, and um, turned my notice in. Two weeks later, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer gainfully employed as a, as a uh, corporate uh, engineering manager. Uh, and so we had a meeting with the kids. We all got together, said, look, I'm leaving my job. Lord says it's time to go. You know, we got to leave this job. I said, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I know the Lord will always take care of us. I said, but, you know, there may be a season where we don't get to go on vacation every every six months or whatever. You know, we, or we may not have as big a Christmas this year as we normally have. You know, I don't know what the ramifications are. I said, but the Lord will always take care of us. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you can ask all the kids. They were all at that meeting. They saw no difference. The Lord immediately prospered us and increased Chris's job and, and provided some other ways for us to make income. Uh, and we never saw, uh, never really saw anything, never saw any, any change really in our, in our finances, even though I left a job that was paying, you know, significant salary, uh, it seemed like nothing changed, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and, but that wasn't my prerequisite for me to leave my job. Uh, the only thing I had to do was, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do it. You said it's time to go, I'll be glad to do it. So, you know, I missed uh, being around those people. I miss that environment. Where, you know, it was a very technical, you know, engineering environment. Uh, and I had to lay all that aside, right? I had to walk away from that. Uh, I'm glad to do it, though. Yeah, there's no problem, no complaints at all. You know, I'd much rather be in the will of God 
then do that and be out of the will of God. Amen. Uh, and so, but there, there are times when you have to decide in order to fulfill the call of God upon your life, you know, you've got to uh, make adjustments in your own life that may not be your goal yesterday, right? You may not have been thinking about that yesterday, but the Lord says, time to do this. Yes, sir, be glad to do it, right? Uh, and so, and that's how we ended up here, right? We were trying to decide what to do. Uh, and the Lord finally said, uh, after we've been there in Cookville for five years, the Lord said, just shut it down and, and bring it over here. And um, no problem. And, and, and the, the thing that was amazing was even though we loved living over there, as soon as we knew that's what the Lord wanted us to do, there was no desire to stay. It's like, we got to go. We couldn't get out of there fast enough. Nothing wrong with the city, but when the Lord says time to go, well, you, I can't get out of there fast enough, right? Uh, and, and that's really how it ought to work, that the grace to leave is there, the grace to be here is there, uh, and, it's, and it's an easy transition. It was, it was the easiest thing in the world for us to move over here and come over, and, and, and the Lord prospered and blessed us in doing that. Uh, and so, so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, for the word of God. And Father, we thank you that there's always blessing and obedience. Every time, every time we follow your will and follow your word, Father, there's blessing and increase that comes into our life. And so, Father, we thank you that it's worth the effort to always follow you. It's worth uh, doing whatever you ask us to do, Father. No matter the cost that appears in the natural realm, there's always blessings in following your word uh, and following your spirit. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. And, and you know, in, in following the will of God, you know, maybe one of these days we need to teach on, on how do you know the will of God because uh, some people really struggle with that. Some people measure the will of God by the circumstances and how successful the circumstances are. Uh, and if that was the case, then Jesus was a failure when he went to his own hometown, right? He could there do no mighty works. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you don't measure the will of God by the things that you observe in the natural realm. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. Um, you, there, there's two ways, just to be real simple about it, there's two ways to know if you're in the will of God. Number one, are you in the Word of God, right? Have you violated any principles of the Word of God? Number two, what's the Spirit of God said to you? That's the only two ways you can know is if you're in a perfect will of God is uh, those two ways, right? Uh, and so, but sometimes that's difficult for people to discern that, right? And so, Maybe we'll teach on, on finding the will of God one of these days. To uh, I think that'd be a good message there, right? So uh, we'll put that on our list of things to do. Amen. Uh, but don't forget, uh, next Wednesday, uh, Larry and Angela Keaton will be with us. Um, and um, uh, our church mill is not till end of November. So uh, I think that's the only other, other announcement. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. We'll see y'all on Sunday.